you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. You know, I think each one of us have to come to a place where we understand that it's okay to be not okay. Yeah, I think so oftentimes we walk around with these pictures of perfection of what we have to be. And we forget that it's in our weakness that we see his strength. And that we need to be refreshed, renewed, restored. These are all biblical words, meaning that there are times in our life where we're just drained. And so oftentimes we feel shamed for not being our best when all we need to be is refreshed. (laughs) And that's what church is all about, is times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. That we come in in moments like this and just break and worship and get refilled and get renewed and get restored. Uh, And so let's just take a moment tonight to just breathe in his presence. Uh, You know, let's, let's have a moment of just prayer. And for me, when I like to pray, and some of you may be new to church, Uh, But when I'm praying personally, I like to open up myself to the Lord. Um, I'm not one of those Christians who, like, demands people make a posture. But I I do believe that oftentimes an outward posture represents an inward heart. Um, And let's just take a moment in prayer uh, to just bow our head, close your eyes, and just maybe open up your heart a little bit by, by lifting out your hands and kind of opening yourself up. And let me just pray over you today. Father, I thank you that tonight your presence fills and floods the heart and the life of each person here. Father, whether they need to be renewed, whether they need to be restored, whether they need to be refilled, Father, I thank you that times of refreshing come in the presence of the Lord. And Father, we are before you tonight. We just sang it, be enthroned. And Father, fill your people with the strength they need to run their race and finish their course. Give them the grace that they need right now to lay aside every weight, every sin, and run the race that you have set before them. Father, we give you thanks for that. I just share in my heart uh, that God's moving in your life to give you strength to mount up with wings like eagles. Where some of you have been walking and the slightest little movement has been making you faint. That God's grace is flooding your way, allowing you to not just walk, but to run and then fly above every obstacle that is currently in your way. I just hear, don't lose heart and don't faint in this evil day, but stand 
(laughs) And don't stand alone. Stand with his presence. Stand with his anointing. Stand with his people. But stand. Don't give up. Don't give up because of the time delay. Don't give up because time and things didn't go your way. Don't give up, but stand in this day, for you will reap if you faint not. And the enemy has turned up the heat to try to make you faint, and has turned up things to try to make you grow weary and well-doing. But don't faint. Don't lose heart. Keep pressing on. Keep standing because the power of God is in you and for you. And it will keep you from falling. (laughs) And you will see his goodness in the land of the living. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't faint. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be refreshed in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. I know so many of you are new to church and and maybe new to this campus. Why don't you turn around, greet somebody tonight, let them know how glad you are to see them here at our Vondren campus, Sunday nights, get to know somebody. I like it. I like it. All the fellowship. Amen. 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 Well, it's so good to have everyone here. Um, We're going to open up God's word and we'll always end with worship in these services. Uh, But uh, a couple of things. Uh, One, I would love to see uh, so many people experience Sunday p.m. here at our Fondren campus and decide to make it their Sunday a.m. campus. Um, And if you're interested in being a seed member and interested in in helping this campus kind of get up and and running to impact this local community, uh, at the end of the service, go to the information bar uh, and tell them you are interested in that, uh, and they'll get you tied in there. And then as well, if if you're a guest here, and this is your your first time to our campus, uh, we do meet every Sunday here at 10 as well. Uh, And so make sure uh, that you go to the information center uh, and give them your information. We'll give you a free visitor gift and all those types of things. And this is fun. Uh, The visitor gifts are different uh, at different campuses. Uh, And so, you know, you can check that out maybe even as well. Uh, And then everyone who listens to this by podcast, how many of you know we're not alone? Uh, Like uh, people listen to our podcast from all over the world um, and in fact, this past week, I got a, past, uh, a text from a, a pastor friend of mine in England who had listened to our last message here uh, and just sent how much it blessed him and helped him. Uh, and so it's amazing how many people like partake of even what we're giving out right now. Um, and for those of you who are partaking in that, I would encourage you, if you can, uh, give something to the Fondren campus where these things are recorded. Uh, because if we're ministered to spiritual things, um, the Bible says if, if we're ministered to with spiritual things, let's give unto that our natural things so that the spiritual things can continue and go. 
Uh, and so uh, for those of you who are listening way out there somewhere, uh, I would encourage you go to life.cc, um, go down and pick the Fondren campus and sow a little seed to help these things keep expanding and growing. If you brought your Bibles uh, tonight, open them up to the book of Exodus. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3. We sense the Holy Spirit starting a new series uh, on Sunday nights. Um, It didn't intentionally go that way. It just kind of happened. And the series is titled, I Am Moses. And so we're just studying the life of Moses. And uh, last week we talked about the burning bush. And we'll pick up there and read Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse number 1. And we'll just keep reading. (laughs) So it says, Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came unto Horab, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said... I must turn aside now. Now I've got that underlined. I must turn aside now um, and see this marvelous sight and why the bush is not burned up. Now notice verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside. Sometimes God is just waiting for us to shift our focus. And to take our focus off of our own journey and to take our focus onto his presence. And when he sees that we turn aside, his guidance begins to open up. And here we see Moses turns aside. God speaks to him uh, from the midst of the bush and says, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove the sandals from your feet. And we said, this is a type and shadow of taking off the world. Uh, Holy ground is hearing ground. And uh, in the Old Testament, uh, you wouldn't come into God's presence with dirt from the sandals of your feet because it's symbolic of the earth. And we said so many times uh, when we're pressing into God, sometimes there's layers of the the flesh and layers of the world that that have gotten on us. And there's this washing that needs to happen. And when we take that off and approach God, we get on holy ground and that holy ground becomes hearing ground. Uh, And this is one of the things that I would love to see more and more of the modern church kind of grow in is holiness. Uh, Righteousness is our ability to stand in in God's presence without any sense of guilt or inferiority because of what Jesus has done. So it doesn't matter how much you've sinned. It doesn't matter what your past is. it, It doesn't matter how ugly your sin is. You can always approach God boldly. You can go to the throne of God boldly because of what Jesus has done for you. This is called a righteousness, that when God sees me, he sees me in Christ. Righteousness is God's gift to us. Holiness, though, is our gift to God. Uh, And it's saying, like, Father, I love you enough that I will lay this aside. And it's not by works. I'm not trying to earn your affection or your devotion. I know I can't earn your love, and I can't unearn it. Uh, But, Father, I want to keep myself unspotted from the world for you because just like a bride offering herself to a husband, uh, I want to come into a place, because we are the bride of Christ, I want to come to a place where I am set aside for you. And so uh, I understand I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit now. And so if I wouldn't watch it with Jesus sitting next to me, I'm not going to watch it. And if I wouldn't listen to it uh, with Jesus sitting next to me, I'm not going to listen to it. 
And if I am not, if I wouldn't say that with Jesus at the table, come on somebody, uh, then I'm not going to say it. Uh, If I wouldn't joke about it with Jesus in the conversation, I'm not going to joke about it. And this is called holiness. It's a gift we give God. And one of the benefits of this is holy ground is hearing ground. And when you purify your life and draw near to him with holiness, he draws near, near to us and it opens up God's guidance in our life. And we see this here with Moses. Uh, he says here in verse 5, then he said, do not come near here, but remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he is afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, and I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up uh, from that land to a good and spacious land to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of all the ites. Verse number nine. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with the, uh, with, uh, which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Watch this in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? That I should go out to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And God answered him and said, certainly, look, I will be with you. And this will be the sign that is, I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this mountain. And God keeps talking all the way through uh, chapter 3. Go to verse 4. Finally, Moses talks again. And watch what Moses says um, in Exodus 4 and verse 1. Then Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord said unto him, well, what is in your hand? And he said, a staff, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled. (laughs) I bet he did. Uh, But the Lord said, my wife said, amen. Uh, But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand, like amazing. That they may believe that the Lord your God, the Father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. The Lord furthermore said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. So he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, it was uh, like snow. And he said, put your hand back into your bosom. He put his hand back in his bosom. And when he did, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you or heed you, the witness of the first sign, they will believe the witness of the second sign. And he keeps going here, kind of telling him like all of these things. And watch this in verse 10. Then Moses said unto the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, uh, neither recently nor in times past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am, notice, who am I? I am slow of speech, and I'm, I'm slow of tongue, so mindful of who he's not. 
And the Lord said unto him, Who made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I even will be with you and teach you what you will say. But he said, Please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will, meaning like send somebody else. And watch what he says the Lord does in verse 14. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he begins to help him, and he sends uh, Aaron with him. Now, here is what I find fascinating. Is Moses, after missing it, and how many of you know God can help you even after you miss it, uh, after missing it, has lived with the shame of his mistake for 40 years. He has given up on his dreams. He has given up on what he thought God could do with him. He has forsaken his high calling. He has settled for a safe life in the shadows. He doesn't want to be seen. He doesn't want to be significant. He he doesn't want to be somebody who is playing a consequential role. He just wants to survive, pay his bills, uh, have a good, safe life in the shadows. In fact, this message is called, Come Out of the Shadows. And he's here playing it incredibly safe. And one day, a bush lights up. And it's, it's filled with fire, but the bush is not being consumed. And Moses is watching this. And when he turns aside to see it, God speaks to him and, and tells him, like, take off your shoes um, because this is holy ground. He does. He gets on holy ground and God begins to speak to him. And that's what last, last week's message was all about is God wants to speak to you. Why? Because you have a high calling in Jesus. There is something you are supposed to do on this earth. And for everybody in here, there is a next step. Like right now, I really believe we're in a season of transition where there is a next step for you to take. And if you do not hear from God on what that step is, uh, you may miss that plan and God can bring it around. But there is a step. Uh, And so out of this, Moses is taking the time to draw near. He's taking the time to take the world off his life. And God starts speaking to him about his high calling. And as soon as Moses begins to hear his high calling, something rises up into him, in him that makes him think he is not worthy of walking in it. Uh, That he is inherently flawed. Uh, He sees who he's not. Instead of who he is, he is keenly aware of his own personal limitations and weaknesses. Um, He is in a moment uh, where he is so filled with the shame of the shadows that any thought of stepping into the light absolutely scares him. And God is like, okay, if me appearing to you in a burning bush... Uh, is not enough for you? Uh, throw your staff down. And he throws the staff down and it becomes a snake. He's like, pick it up and it becomes a staff again. He's like, do I have your attention now that I want to use you? And, he, and he's like, well, and he's like, put your hand in your bosom. He puts his hand in his bosom. He pulls out, he's got leprosy on it. Um, and he's like, put it back in. He puts it back in and it's made flesh again. And God is like, do you see I can use you? And even after like all of these signs that God has a plan and all of these signs that God's will is this, Moses still will not see himself capable of doing anything special for the Lord. And he's wanting anybody else to be special, anybody else to step on stage, anybody else to be the vessel that God uses for this task. Because Moses, he just wants to play it safe. 
He just wants a good life in Midian. Who am I that I'm worthy of this? These stories are, are not in Scripture uh, to um, entertain us. They're there for you to identify yourself in them. And I feel like so many of you have been in the shadows working your hardest to create a safe life. Uh, a life where the bills are paid, everybody's healthy, and we just survive. That was something. <laughs> I think God's trying to get our attention. Uh, so we're working so hard to create uh, this life uh, where nobody is seen and nobody is, is known. And we just have this life. And it's good. But there's no consequence to it. And God is trying to wake you up through these stories uh, that there is so much more for you and so much more that he has called you to, that you are put here by God uh, to do something of consequence. I said something a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's so important for us to understand uh, that for you not to pursue greatness is not humility. You are not being humble by trying to create this safe life in the shadows. You're being irresponsible. <laughs> because the truth of the matter is, is we absolutely need each and every one of you to be the ultimate version that God has called you to be. Because when you embrace your call, Moses, it sets us free. But you cannot set us free until you're free of whatever shame is keeping you in the shadows, convincing you that God's done. And God is not done. There is something you are called by God to do. And you have to break free from the fear of shame and rejection and be the person God has called you to be. You have to come to this place where you are mining what is in you, what God has invested in you, and that you are not looking at who you're not, and you are not looking at what you're not, and you're not looking at what you don't have, and you begin to see who you are, what you have, the resources God has put at your disposal, and go be the person God has called you to be, and do the things that God has called you to do to get over this shame. Uh, when, I, when I look at these, these things in Scripture, and I look at these things like in the context of how Jesus taught on them, as well as the stories in the Old Testament, I, I often see that what limits individuals from being the people God has made them be um, is not even the sin that they committed, but rather the shame and the fear of rejection that they live in. If, if the enemy can get you ashamed and afraid, he will always stop your high calling. People in scripture sinned and still reached it. Uh, but if you live in this world of fear of stepping out of the boat and shame telling you you're not worthy to, uh, it will limit what God is able to do in and through your life. And for you to run your race, you must let go of that. Um, and, and come into a place of boldness. 
Um, there's a quote, and, and for this, I, I really read some old material that I haven't looked at in a while uh, by Brene Brown. Some of you are probably familiar with her. Uh, but there's this statement uh, that Theodore Roosevelt made years ago uh, in 1910 uh, that is one that is just so profound, and I, I want to read it to you. It just says this, it's not the critic who counts, nor the person who points out how the strong man stumbles, or whether the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man and woman who is in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, and who strives uh, valiantly, valiantly, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if they fell, at least they fell while daring greatly. And what God is trying to call Moses to do is to get in the arena, to like fight for the life that God created him for. To stop trying to create a safe life and to get in the arena and take chances and to risk and to go back and confront uh, Pharaoh and go back and confront Egypt. God is calling him into the arena. And what Theodore Roosevelt's statement is talking about is so oftentimes what keeps us out of the arena is the critic. The person who tells us who we're not and what we're not. And you and I found that in this world we will have critics. Uh, and that the more you, you try to set out to do something, you'll have all the people who tell you you can't and why you shouldn't and what's on the other side and what happens if you fell. But you know what I found in the lives of most, most people? The critic is not someone outside of them. The critic is someone who is inside of them. And the inward critic in you will give you every, every reason in the world to watch heroes in the arena. And you become a spectator of their race instead of you getting in the arena and running yours. And we, are so, we live in a culture, especially in our American culture, where we set everybody else up on a pedestal and watch them run their race. Instead of getting out of the sidelines, getting in the arena and fighting to be the people God has called us to be and fighting to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. And when you study scripture, you see people that like, after they did great things, God is like, nope, as soon as you are done with this, I have called you to do something else. And that if you have breath in your lungs, you still got something you got to do here on the earth. Stop watching other people in the arena, get in the arena yourself, Moses. Get in the game. David, get in the game. Noah, get in the game. Like, step in this and fight to be something more than safe. Like, fight to do something that is significant uh, because it's irresponsible for you not to. Um, and we see people all throughout Scripture, and the, the Bible highlights them. You've got David. Uh, who is, is here, and he hears that there's a battle, and he hears that there's a giant, and you have all of these spectators who are afraid to get in the arena. Uh, and he walks up, and he starts asking, like, what is going on here? And they tell him this giant has been out here mocking the whole nation for 40 days. And he's like, well, what happens to the man who, who faces him? And they start telling him, like, all the benefits, you'll be debt-free, uh, you, you'll be, like, made second in command, you'll get to marry the king's daughter. They're telling him all these things, and he's like, I'll do it. 
And as soon as he says, I'll get into the arena, the critic comes out. And his brother is like, who do you think you are? And starts pointing out all the things that he's not. And all the things that he can't do. He's like, you're just a kid who came here to bring us our sandwiches. Like, take your Lunchables and go back to daddy's house. Like, what are you doing here? We don't even want to see you. And you know what the Bible says? I love it. You know what David did? It said he turned from him to another. (laughs) Like, completely just ignored the critic. Uh, And he turned from him to another. He's like, now you tell me, what would happen to the person who kills this giant? And they tell him the same thing. He's like, I'll go do it. And he, he, he takes on this call to step out into the arena, and he's standing before King Saul. And King Saul is like, you're but a kid. Like, you're just a child. And he's like, yeah, but from my youth, I've always been a man who is willing to get in the arena. I'll dare greatly. Like, there was a lion that came and took a sheep, and I went after the lion, and I beat the lion. Uh, And then I was a man who got in the arena again. Like, there was a bear that came out and took a sheep, and I went after the bear. And I I slayed the bear, and I slayed the lion, and I'll slay this giant just like I slew them. And Saul is so convinced by it. He's like, well, okay then. And so he tells him, go get his armor. Now, this is is such an important story. He tells them, go get my armor. And they bring out Saul's armor. And scripture tells us Saul was a big man. Like if there's anybody who looked like a king, it was Saul. He was big. He was broad chested. And they they take this armor and they put it on David and it swallows him. And he's wearing another man's armor. They're trying to make him somebody that he's not in order to do this. And he's he's here. And and how self-conscious would have so many people have been in that moment of what they're not? Um, in, In this moment of like, I can't even fill his shoes. I can't even walk in his armor. And here he is. He's swallowed by the armor. He can't even move in it. And he has enough courage and confidence in himself that he just takes it off. And he takes off all this armor and he says, you know what? I'm not that. Uh, But he said, you know, I don't need to be. Uh, I've actually got a slingshot and three stones and this will be more than enough. That I'll go rock who God made me and through rocking who God made me to be, who God made me to be will actually be more than enough to get on the field and actually win uh, and to be a person in the arena. And so he steps out with who he is, confident that God will back him up. And once again, when he steps out on the field, what does the challenge do? Goliath begins to tell him all that he's not. Who Who am I? Am I like a dog that you would bring a child out here with me with like a stick to correct. But we see David has no fear of being um, not able or not good enough or this, this, this message of shame of like, who are you? Who are you to think you should live that type of life? Who are you to think you could have that type of, of, of lifestyle? Who are you to think you could have that type of ministry? And so these voices, and like I said, none bigger than ourselves, they keep us in the shadows. And so many people talking to the older brother at first would have been like, you're right. I don't even know why I'm here. I'm not a soldier. I'll just go back to the fields. And they miss their moments. And they miss the miracles of God because they never step out of the boat. They, they never press in and go after uh, what God has for them. They never get in the arena. Uh, Jesus taught on this in his parables, and anytime you see Jesus kind of like give a parable as I use my kitchen towel (laughs) to to wipe my sweat, oh, we're going to get hankies one day. Uh, So so out of this, 
we see Jesus, anytime he teaches a parable, has identified human behavior. And in Matthew 25, he gives this parable of a, a guy who has five talents, another one who has two, and another one who has one. And the guy who has five talents, as soon as he gets five talents, has the courage to get in the arena. And he believes he can do something with it. He believes he's capable of taking what his master has given him and making it work. He believes that like what he has is good enough and the skills he has is good enough. And he takes that five talents and turns it into ten. The guy who has two talents uh, gets these two talents and he goes out there believing I have the potential to actually make this more than it is. I'm not going to play it safe. I'm going to get in the arena and I'm going to believe I can take what God has given me and make it even more. And he goes out there with confidence and with boldness and he makes it something more. The guy who has one talent, you know what he does when the master comes to him and asks, what did you do with his talent? He takes the master and everyone else in the parable and he sets them on pedestals. And he's looking at their life and he's like, you all reap where you don't sow. You know what he's saying? You've just been lucky. And like I I look at your life and like the set of circumstances you went through just kind of followed out this way. And when I look at my life, I don't know if I had that same kind of luck. And he says this, he says, and I was afraid that I would lose what you gave me. So I took what you gave me and I never showed it to anyone. I took the gifts and the talents you gave me and no one ever knew that I had them. I took what you invested into my life and I played it incredibly safe. I didn't take any chances with it. I didn't ever enter into um, a tough moment with it. I didn't lose it. I just never used it. I, I didn't lose it. But as I was afraid that if I tried to do something with it, I would fail, so I never got in the arena. And I just watched them live. And I just watched them progress in a career. And I I just watched them try to step out and do more. And I, I watched them really go after something. And the master came to him, and the Bible says he actually took away what he had in his life. And he wound up with even less than he started with. And I think that there are so many people who are listening to this and even so many people in the room of like, man, you're watching so many people run their race. And you're watching so many people live this life. And God is like, okay, maybe in your life you see people who have more than you or you see people who are doing more than you. But out of this, have you looked at like what I put in your hands And are you out there in the arena fighting to take it and make it the best it could be, risking failure, risking, you know, being mocked, risking not being perfect, but out there believing like what God has given me is enough that if I will go to Egypt, it will not just set them free, it will set me free too because I've still been living like I'm in Egypt even though I've been set free. Uh, I, I, for lunch today, my, I got home from uh, preaching and my wife had made like this vegetable lunch. 
Uh, and it was so good. Cornbread, cream corn, rice and gravy, tomatoes with salt and pepper, fried okra. Come on, somebody. Oh, watermelon for dessert. So good. And we're sitting around the table, and I start telling them what I'm going to talk about tonight. I had to kind of walk through the message mentally and to kind of have that break from this morning service to this one. And so we're talking about it. And I asked him, I said, like, what does this mean to you? And my son said, well, like, and he's 14. Uh, he said that there are certain things that I'm invited to that oftentimes I, I don't go to them. Because I think that maybe they invited me uh, because they felt like they had to. But they didn't really want me there. And so I, I just don't go. And my daughter said, well, you know, at, at my friend table, like um, at lunch, like sometimes they'll talk about things that I, I know I should call out. And like I know I should like put out on the table of like, let's go and have this in a different direction. And she said, I, I left the lunch table one day and pulled aside one of my friends and said, like, I really sense we should bring this up. Like we should go and we should talk in another direction. And and like have this in another direction. But she said, when, when I'm, I'm doing that, uh, like something doesn't feel right and I feel like we can course correct this. And then they went back to the table and they never said anything because she said, I was afraid I'd be rejected. And in all of our lives, like it's amazing to me, no matter how old or how young you are, uh, that uh, we have these same types of human emotions. And one of the things that Brene Brown talks about in her book is she's a researcher, and for six years she studied people, and one of the things she saw was the biggest limiter in people's lives was shame and this fear of rejection. And she said, the most successful people I researched were not the best people. <laughs> she said they, they weren't the best people. They were people, this is so, so good, they were people who had an innate sense of worthiness. And so when somebody else sat in the sidelines and never picked up the phone to call somebody to go out on the date, they did. Because they believed that even though they weren't perfect, they had enough courage to be rejected. And so they got in the arena, picked up the phone, and called somebody and asked them for a date. And people who are successful relationally, they have the courage to say, I love you first, even though it might not be given back. Because even if you don't say it back, they have enough sense of worthiness in their own soul that they don't need you to say it back to feel loved. Oh, come on, somebody. Not the best people, just people who have an innate sense of worthiness. As she said, the same people... Uh, like even in their careers, we're just not afraid to step out and try uh, because they believed that they didn't have to be perfect and it didn't have to work for them to feel good about themselves. And so they made the outcome separate from the action and just took the action that they know they should take and got in the arena professionally. And oftentimes they won more than they failed. And if they failed, they learned why they failed and got in the arena again and again and again and again until they won and became successful. 
And everyone sitting on the sidelines is watching them in the arena being like, I can't believe they are doing so well, not seeing that they were in the arena 10 years before that struggling, but just had the courage to get back in again. And in all of our lives, like we are all going to have these voices that tell us who we are not. And we're going to have these people sometimes in life that will point out who we're not. But friends, if there is literally anybody on the earth that should have a sense of worthiness, it is a son and a daughter of the most high God who loved us enough to give us his only son. And and God comes to us in Romans and like, if I gave you Jesus, how much more freely will I give you like literally everything else? That like Jesus said, let me tell you who God is, that like there's a, a prodigal who has lived a terrible life. But the father comes in and says, you are worthy of the best. Put the best robe on him. Slay the fatted calf. Get sandals on his feet. Because my son has come home. And church, I just want to encourage you, like, what if Moses would have allowed the critic uh, to keep him on the sidelines? What if Moses would have allowed the sense of self-doubt and not enough to keep him from being the man that God had called him to be? So many of you, you're so much more. You're so much more than what you're giving us. Can I tell you, I'll close and then we'll end with worship. Can I tell you in my own life, when I look back at like how we got here, there were so many moments in Word of Life's history where I was so afraid of failure and rejection um, that I, I set out the chairs on Highway 18 and didn't have enough courage to leave them out there till Sunday morning, so I picked them all back up, fearing that I would look stupid and fearing that it wouldn't work. I picked them all up. And it wasn't because I didn't believe in God. It's because I didn't believe in me. And I can remember finally leaving them out there and watching God fill them up and then God dealing with me. Do you know what? Go to another service. I'm like, I'm not going to another service. We just got this one filled. I'm not getting in the arena again. And I can remember with fear and trembling, like announcing we're going to go to an 830 service, an 830 and a 1030 service. And wondering, like, will anybody ever show up? And will this ever work? And being so afraid to get in the arena. And with every step that God has asked me to take that propelled Word of Life forward, uh, this is me getting in the arena. Another campus is, is, is getting in the arena. Building another facility is getting in the arena. And I'm telling you, each time I've ever taken a step, I've wondered, will it work? What if it doesn't? What if no one comes? What if I get rejected? What if I'm too tired? What if I lose my voice? Like any of these things that can happen. And with each time with fear and trembling, I come to this place, but the Holy Spirit arrests me and shows me my high calling in Christ Jesus And that sometimes what used to be the arena is now you sitting on the sidelines because you could create that life without God anytime you wanted to. But out of this, God is calling you from the sidelines again back into the arena because there is something God wants you to do on the earth and he can't do it until you're willing to get back in the game. And I want to encourage you that like in your life right now, this is what God is calling you to. He's calling you to the arena. He's calling you to say, don't allow the voice of the critic to keep you from being your best. 
And understand that the biggest critic you will ever face in life is not outside of you, it is you. And if you can silence the voice of the accuser on the inside, you are one step closer to being the Moses God has called you to be and running your race and finishing your course. And so tonight, let's just have a moment in worship uh, where we just silence that voice of the accuser. Uh, where we come in and just acknowledge that, God, you know, I'm getting in the game. (laughs) I'm getting in the arena. I'm going to fight a good fight of faith. I'm going to get and stand before Goliath. I'm going to go and I'm going to confront my Pharaoh. Um, And for some of you, your Pharaoh is like this taskmaster on the inside showing you your, your, your failures and your faults and who you're not. Um, And you you have so much more that you could give us if you would just believe in who God made you. And and take your one little talent, even if you feel like that's all it is. And to just believe that God gave it to me. And that if I will go out and I will fight with it, God will make it grow. Let's stand, if you will. Let's just get get before the Lord today. Father, we, we love you. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come and help us. Lord, let us see who we are and not who we're not. Let us find that sense of worthiness, that we are worthy of the best. That we are worthy worthy of health and healing and vibrancy and freedom. We are worthy of energy and blessing and a land that flows with milk and honey. Father, let so many people contend for the land of more than enough instead of settling for this life held by a master and and by a captive, uh, captive by a master of shame and guilt that would keep us from being the men and the women that you've called us to be. And Holy Spirit, as we worship, we just ask that you would show us anything that you need to show us to step out in, anything we need to go after and anything we need to do. We love you, Father, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit helping us right now, even in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.